there, and welcome to Zero XP. We are a show that celebrates the fandom of video games with a focus on one game series in particular, Fable. We strive to bring you several episodes a month discussing a variety of game-related topics spanning recent game news and events to reflection and speculation concerning past, present, and future video game generations. I'm John, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, who is the unstoppable force behind our show, Patrick. Hello. You can find us on YouTube by searching for us at Zero XP Webcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. I reply to all of them. You can also get each episode in podcast form across all major podcast platforms. If we're not on the platform of your choice, please let us know. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can by emailing us at 0xppodcast at gmail.com or by following us on Twitter at 0xpwebcast. Our DMs are open. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the feedback from our Fable Animals of Albion speculation episode. We're going to briefly talk about the medium, which we've been playing through, and we're going to venture into the lost chapters from Fable Anniversary. So, all right, our story begins. How's it going, Patrick? It's going pretty good overall. Uh, We needed to take a week off, but I look forward to getting this episode out. Yep, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's going to happen from time to time. But during that time, I think we've got a lot done. Uh, I, I think I, I completed the medium and obviously spent quite a bit of time running around Albion. But let's get into it. So, like, feedback from our Animals of Albion speculation video. We put up a video uh, a couple weeks ago that was kind of talking about our thoughts on what Playground's animal situation should be when it comes to Albion. Yeah. And we discussed a couple different things uh, that were a variety of should it have mounts? Should there be fishing? Should there be random animals? Should there be hunting? Does hunting lead to crafting in this instance? And the feedback that surprisingly that we got more than anything was the discussion of our pet companion. Yep. It seems to be the majority of the people that we talked to uh, still want the dog. Yeah. Yeah. They want to keep it. But with, like, a little bit of a difference, I think everybody's on board with them being able to keep them at home or just not run around with them if you want. I think that's optimal just because, I mean, when is having an option a bad thing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in the I would like the dog or other animal, probably a dog in my case, pet companion to go yeah. through everything with me. I'm totally down with that. And we discussed that pretty well in depth. Patrick, you said that there were times that you think you would and times that you think you might not. Uh, Has any of that changed? Has anybody brought anything to your attention that made you think differently? No, not really. I mean, there wasn't as much feedback on this one as our world discussion episode, I would say. I would say especially there's been less mixed feedback on it. I thought we would get more feedback on mounts and horses and things like that. And we did get a little bit. Uh, People seem to be in favor of it if the world is big enough to facilitate it. Yeah. Um, and I, there it, were a couple people that brought up it being a cinematic feature that they enjoy in games. Yeah. Which, I agree with that. There's times when I'm playing games like Assassin's Creed or Red Dead where you can set it into cinematic mode yeah. and just watch your you know, I mean, character travel. I mean, I did that, on that episode. Yeah. is an easy way to get some content and be able to do things around the house that I needed to get done. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of get to see the world from a different angle. Yeah, it really beautiful. is pretty to be able to... Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, I mean, I I see the points for both, and a lot of it's just going to come down to the map size, yeah. to me, and if it feels organic. Like, 
you know, does it need to be in there? Because yeah. like I said, one of my favorite things about Fable is, you know, going from region to region on foot, like mm-hmm. a traveling mercenary, oh. so to speak. And like I brought up before, I, I don't want the world to be set up that you have to use a horse. I prefer my my regions more where you can scale them by foot. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that way it, it's full of personality. Yeah. So if they made it like... Uh, even like Red Dead, which I Red Dead Two, which I love the map, but you can't you can't do much without the horse. Oh no, no. Uh, and and we get into that in the video. If you want to check it out for sure, check out our YouTube Zero uh, XP webcast. It's we go pretty in depth with our thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, the video is not terribly long, but at the same time, it's. I think it was a good conversation, and I, I think that you know it's one that people probably when they're weighing what they want from Playgrounds Fable, think about a little bit more than you might realize. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really is. It's kind of that, does it still feel like Fable if there's a huge map? Yeah. You know, and that that comes into play. So let's quickly sidestep our Fable conversation and talk a little bit about we got our first Xbox Series exclusive, right? Yep. In the way that the only place to play this game is on the Series S or the Series X. For now. For now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that is the medium. We're not going to go into a full-on review. We're going to actually break that out and post that up on the YouTube. But impressions, thoughts, Patrick? I mean, how did you... Have you finished it? Yes. I actually finished it last night. Um, I mean, just briefly, I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, if if you're interested in hearing more, we're gonna do our first review. Yep. Uh, on that game, and but we plan on keeping it short. But we would love uh, if you're a fan of our show to watch it, even if it's not something you, you think you're interested in, and just give us feedback on how you felt about our review because it's the first one. So we would like to see if people like it. Yeah, and uh, for that matter, I, th- I think what we're going to try to do is keep our review selection bespoke to the Xbox platform because that seems to be where most of our listeners slash viewers come into play. And we had the idea of focusing on Game Pass games. Yeah. So it's only going to be games that you can access through your Game Pass subscription and kind of decide if they're worth your time yeah, because yeah, we're if gonna, you're if you're like us, it's there's so many games and there really are some wonderful games on there that it's you don't have enough time to play everything. Yeah. So we're gonna pick out especially some of the short experiences and then obviously when first party stuff hits, we're definitely gonna delve a little deeper into those. Yeah. But uh, you know, and if it's something that it picks up or. Uh, anyone out there is interested in listening i would not be against maybe taking suggestions yeah like hey play this let me know what you think yeah and and one important note is our score we are going to do a score it'll be based on it being on game pass as a service you already own right so and we'll get into that in the video uh but scores probably going to little be a little bit higher since we're not having to shelve out 50 60 dollars for for these games but uh, check that out soon. It'll probably drop as soon as we can. Yep. So next up, and what will probably be the majority of our show here, is one that I've been really uh, excited to get to. I mean, honestly, since we started this, yeah. is we're finally getting into the Lost Chapters, which 
if you've played the base game, you know that where we ended our last episode was where the game originally ended. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were a few quests in there that we talked about along the way that also came with the Lost Chapters, but the bulk of everything forward wasn't available until the Lost Chapters was released. And I think, arguably, it's some of the best content in the game. Mm -hmm. So where we last left off, we defeated Jack. That was the end. Our hero decided to retire off to the country and live his life out, and everything was peachy after that, and there was nothing wrong at all, right? No. Immediately within a year of being at peace with everything, you get called back into action by the Guildmaster. So before we leap into the Lost Chapters, Patrick and I had not actually played Fable, the original base game, so we weren't familiar with exactly how it ended. Uh, The Lost Chapters was what gripped me, and then Patrick came in at Fable 2. So we had somebody actually give us some insight as to what it was like playing after the original game ended. Patrick, you want to cover that? Yeah, it was, uh, he regularly views our podcast. Friend of the show. Yep, Charlie Gibbons. He commented, the original ending was so bleak. After you beat Jack and were left to free roam Albion, the guild was still destroyed. The fire went out, but the rubble was still blocking exits and main entrance remained. I, I didn't know about this. No, really. I didn't know that either. Um, the funny thing was, was I had two friends at work at the time that played Fable, and they talked about how much they hated the original ending, but that's been 10-ish, 10-plus years mm-hmm. since I had that conversation. So okay. I, I remember them talking about it, but I didn't remember until he brought this up that it was a very different ending than the one we know. Hmm. He continues, as far as I remember, the Guildmaster was gone too, so I just assumed that he was dead. Super depressing, basically. So I I do think that's interesting that people would find that uh, derogatory thing. I mean, I I think to me, in my mind, with the way the world of Fable tends to be, where it has that deep, dark, you know, kind of feeling in the corners of the game that it's kind of fitting yeah. that you save the world, but hey, everything is crap. And I went know? and watched videos, and there's just dead people laying everywhere. And Is that I, just in the guild or like in towns? I, I, didn't, I didn't go deep enough, but I did see it uh, in the guild. Uh, I'll check back and see if I can maybe find it in the town. Okay, because that would be insane. show some video like, if anyone lets me borrow any. Okay. But I, I kind of like that ending, I like the bleak ending, but it doesn't work for a video game. Well, I, I think I think it kind of does, and I, I don't I don't hate it. Like I don't, uh, and I, I, it's probably just because, and it's not something that I necessarily want in every game. But sometimes leaving on like a very realistic note can be a little bit satisfying. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we didn't know when that game was out that there would be sequels, but I think the hope would be that there were sequels. Yeah. You know, and then you could kind of. Maybe if they had not jumped 500 years, delved into the rebuilding of everything, Mm -hmm. Uh, which obviously that's speculation and a a different time, different place. And we did get the lost chapters, which extended things out. But I don't know. I'm I'm not against a a bleak ending like that because I do feel like Fable tells those stories. I guess it does make it more difficult, though, when you want to go back and do some missions and different things that the land isn't the way you're used to it looking. I could it's see that. It's just bleak and less fun, so it makes you put it down immediately. 
more likely. Oh, yeah, it doesn't encourage you to keep That's playing. what I mean. Like, I like the ending. I just don't know that it, especially for a game like this, where you can explore after you beat it, that it works so well. Yeah, I guess in a way, which I mean, game storytelling and the ability, the, the things that you can do with games has changed along the way as well. It would have been nice if after you hit the lost chapters, like maybe you saw them rebuilding the guild yeah. or something to that effect could have been cool or cleaning it up. Yeah. But uh, obviously technology is different and mm-hmm. it, they were just trying to get the game out yeah. at that point. Uh, no, uh, thanks Charlie for that because I didn't know uh, as big of a fan for as long as I have been, I that was always kind of one of the glaring spots for me was I didn't play it originally when it came out. It was I didn't have an Xbox, and a friend of mine was like, you have to play this game, because he knew my taste. Mm-hmm. And I had followed it in its early development. I was really excited for Project Ego, but as I said, I didn't have an Xbox, yeah. so I was just like, okay, that looks cool, and then I went about my merry way. I'll get it when it comes on GameCube, right? Well, no, I knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be on GameCube. I just, it was that thing of, you know, it, it'll just be one of those things that I don't pick up because yeah. I don't have it, but I mean, I, I owe my buddy there because obviously it changed the trajectory of the way and the things that I look for in video games. So did you like the game? A, a little bit, okay. Patrick, okay. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get into it, though. Uh, uh, like I said, we're called back into action from uh, the Guildmaster, and he's letting us know that we need to get in contact with Scythe because something is going on in the north, and there is some power building, some force that is dormant, that is waking up, and we need to be able to vanquish it. In order to vanquish it, we are sent into a demon door that's actually been right outside the guild the whole time, but we didn't have access to it until now. Nope. I love these guys. I do too. I mean, it's, I just, it's, I I, I don't skip their scenes for anything. Mm -mm. They're just, they're just these little old men. But essentially, you go into the demon door and you are tasked with trying to get the fire heart, which you will use to, uh, I I guess, provide a light to the northern wastes. Yeah. Um, For the lighthouse. For the lighthouse. And in doing so, I mean, if you want, you can take them all out if you're playing that. Did you do that with yeah, yours? Yeah, I, I, I took them all out. Well, okay. Because I knew you were going to save them all, so I took them all out. I don't know if I've ever actually taken them all out now that I think about it. Yeah, Even they, on my evil playthroughs. They make some... They're not happy. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they're not Especially exactly the overjoyed uh, when you do save them until, you know, of course, they're being let go. Yeah. But uh, basically, you have these little prophet guys who are encouraging you to finish their puzzle and each puzzle which is fairly simple it's it's a tile flipping game and uh they comment on how you're doing if you're doing well and they just talk a ton of trash and it is one of the voices are great too yeah it is one of the most fable ish moments of of the lost chapters it's just that it's perfect and if you haven't ever taken the time to play through the lost chapters if you're somehow stumbled stumbled across this because you heard there's a new fable coming out and the first one's the only one you ever played go back play the last chapters it's it's totally worth yep. it but long story short you end up getting the fire heart and no matter which way you go with yeah it. Uh, yeah there's there's no way to fail really uh overall unless you're just trying to accomplish one goal and you manage to mess that up but you walk away with a fire heart so the Hook Coast is under attack by the summoners that are in the area. And these are some, to me anyway, some of the coolest looking mm-hmm. like enemies in the game. 
Uh, they definitely have a different look than anything else that we've come across. Almost futuristic yeah. compared to a lot of the things that we've we've fought along the way. The battle itself is kind of standard fare. You wind up taking out everything, putting the heart into the lighthouse. It raises a ship so you can actually cross to the northern wastes, which hasn't been done in a very long time. But one of the things that I really enjoy about this part of the game, the sequence of it, is you get a little bit more time with Briar Rose. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit more of that feeling of being inclusive with the guild. Like, these are people. Like, she talks like she knows you now. Yeah. And uh, you've established this relationship. And I, I think I forget sometimes that I think that's where it kind of cemented things for me. Between the sequence of her fighting alongside you when you're trying to track down Jack at the end of the original base game and then having her here. It's one of the things that really helped, for me anyways, flesh out the world. But again, let's backtrack a little bit. And before we ship off, if you played through a good playthrough and you don't have the sort of Aeons on you, you're charged with getting an ancient weapon that's said to be as powerful as the legendary sword of Aeons itself. The sword was imbued with an extraordinary power when the guild mage Solcius used it in a spell to close a large vortex. For a long time, it has existed only as a myth among the Alkalites. Its strength rivals even the Sword of Aeons. Uh, we also get from the Tales of Albion during, after the game that apparently the creation of the sword was charged by Nostro. He's just got his fingers in everything. Yep. Uh, so in addition to creating the Witchwood Arena, he also created this sword and he ran the guild. I mean, he was a busy guy. Yep. Too bad his life didn't end in a good way. Uh, but we get the sword if you're playing through on your good playthrough and assuming you wanted to go ahead and track it down. I think the coolest aspect of the sword is you find out that Maze was actually trying to track it down as well. He just found out that he wasn't worthy enough to get it. Of course he wasn't. Right. But the you, you get to read his journal entries talking about it, how he did all this research to find it, and... You know, it was the one thing that was giving him hope against taking out Jack. And then you also get the aftermath of him being unable and after being judged not worthy enough of basically accepting his fate. Yeah. That Jack was going to take out everybody. I mean, he was wrong, but, you know, it, it's a little sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's kind of a, another layer to, to Maze. An already complex character. Exactly. So we head back to the coast and take a ghost ship, or it looks like a ghost ship. It's definitely very run down and it's been underwater for quite a yeah. while. Across to Snowspire, which has been cut off from the guild for what seems to be an extended amount of time. Scythe went over there to do some research and <laughs> he cut off their colas gates so that he couldn't be followed by Jack. He was ahead of the game, that Scythe. Yeah. Mm, almost like he's been around long enough to be on to certain things. No, I mean... He looks dead, so I assume he has been around for a while. Yeah, actually, it's funny. When you play Anniversary, I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh, man, he really was decrepit looking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's like a walking mummy. My my daughter was watching me play this part, and she's like, he's a bad guy. I'm like, no, he's not a bad guy. He's just scary looking. <laughs> <laughs> From the mouth of babes. <laughs> One thing I find funny, though, about this is, you know, that trip took a long time. Because if you're watching the video version, my character didn't have a beard, and he now has a beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, your hair gets longer, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've always thought that was kind of neat because then you have to roam around for a while till you get settled and then head on back to Bowerstone to get a haircut and a shave. Unless you just like that shaggy yep. look. But so I, I th- immediately when you land on the, the coast there, I'm going to kind of foreshadow some things that are coming. And if you've read the Tales of Albion, there's a story that's told from the perspective of somebody who's on the run. And we'll get into that later. But this is the area of, I mean, just the the, the continent of Albion, I guess, that I picture during that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Patrick? Okay, well then we'll get into that later. But uh, <laughs> if you've read the the Tales of Albion, this is the area I picture when he's uh, there's a character that's on the run and he's hiding out and he thinks he's safe. This is the area that I kind of see in my head is that's where he was hiding. But we'll get into that after we get through our Fable of the Lost Chapters playthrough. Snowspire. Snowspire itself is kind of Old Kingdom-y looking, yeah. I think, in a lot of aspects. Uh, I like the enemies that you have in that area the obviously this ice trolls i mean as infuriating the as blood they might on be. the snow when you fight yes all like visually it, it's very impressive mm-hmm. and, and very different even from the hook coast i yeah. think oh yeah in terms of what the the game is able to do uh how do you feel about the area as a whole patrick um i would say it's probably my second favorite area if not my first i don't know i, I go back and forth between that and hook coast okay so the whole I, I area like or just Snow Spire itself? Uh, I, I would say the whole area. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff later, but I love the houses. I like the charity shop. I think that's an interesting... Yeah, I always thought that was a neat yeah. idea. And some of the, the other town you get into later is one that I love as well. Yes, yeah. It's, it's a very cool addition to the, the base game. Yeah. I mean, it's really, like I said, when... You look at it as a whole, it is some of the best content in the mm-hmm. game. Not just for the environment, but the story aspects yeah. of it. Uh, the, the decisions. The decisions, kind of the old look of everything. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it's it's very enjoyable. And it's one of the things that I think kind of set a precedent for what they would do later with the game. It almost feels like, in a way, it was they finished the game and then... I know they had ideas for this beforehand, but it's like they were able to take what they learned and then put it into this expansion or whatever you would like to call it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, realistically, if DLC had been a thing, this would have been DLC. Yeah. Everybody would have been able just to buy it as an add-on and mm-hmm. download it later. And I, I, you may have been able to do that on PC. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but... It's Snowspire itself is a town that used to be like a trading, like bustling community. Mm-hmm. It was a huge town that uh, did a lot of in commerce, and as I said, there were ways for them to travel back and forth using the uh, colas gates and ships, and they had a port. But over time, the town was whittled down because there was a lot of invading from other areas uh, because of the center of the town, which is the Oracle. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why Scythe has called you to the town. You need to be able to consult the Oracle about what's coming. And what you find out is the Oracle isn't in working condition. Mm-hmm. There are glyphs that you need to find that were hidden because they were always being invaded, so they would keep the Oracle safe. The Oracle was commissioned to be created by the third Archon. Now, he did this in order to preserve the history of the past help to predict the future and keep 
all of Albion's information in one spot. Now, because this was sought after and the town was constantly attacked, obviously it affected the town in a negative way. That's why the glyphs were hidden. Where were they hidden? Graves. Graves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the necropolis. The necropolis is a town that's nearby, and I can't imagine that, I mean, like, and it, it's, I mean, I think it's maybe, like, the biggest city setting in the game. Yeah, I think it might uh, actually it, be. At least in scale, it feels bigger than Bowerstone mm-hmm. North does, um, which makes you think that the people that lived there were maybe a little bit ahead of the time, like, their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I mean, I trying to struggle to put it into words because it's just so unique in the way that it is this haunted area. Yeah. I, but I can't imagine Necropolis was the original name of it because, you know, Necropolis is you know, insinuating that everything in there it's is dead. dead. Yeah. But you make your way to the Necropolis and... Meet a couple of really nice guards. Yeah, they're real excited for you, huh? <laughs> uh it's, I mean, from the beginning, as you go in, it's just graves from front to back. Yeah. I mean, somebody had gone in and helped bury the dead. But I'd like to maybe get a little bit into the lore of the Necropolis, because if you've played Fable 2, and I, I think the majority of our listeners, slash watchers, viewers, whatever you want to identify yourself as, has probably played all three games. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, this parallels one of the biggest uh, and maybe most favorite stories in all of Fable across yeah. all the games. I'm going to look here into the Fable wiki, which you can find at fable.fandom.com, where it says, The Necropolis is a location in Fable the Lost Chapters and Fable Anniversary. It was once a sprawling city in the northern wastes. Now reduced to rubble by time and ruin, it plays a host to a large number of former inhabitants who still roam the streets despite long being dead. Necropolis used to be a town as lively and prosperous as any other until an inhabitant made deals with eldritch powers from beyond the world. Because of his selfishness of this one person, an entire town was annihilated. It happened so quickly that many of the citizens of the city have not realized that they are dead. These ruins are also rumored to be the home of the Glyphs of Inquiry, four important tablets that have instructions to use on the dormant oracle. The people of the nearby Snowspire refuse to enter the Necropolis for fear of its ghostly dwellers and zombies patrolling there. So, I mean, spoilers, if, if you haven't played the game, I guess you can earmuffs at this point, but the deeds of one person making a wish that wipes out an entire city. Sound a little familiar, Patrick? I'm not going to delve too far into it, but I will say the name. Reaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people will probably get excited, and I kind of wonder how many people have picked up on that detail. Yeah. I'm really excited about getting to that part, just because we have details that we haven't given. That we've been having that. to sit on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I thought we would have uh, told you all by now, but we're we're slower with this than I thought we would be. At yeah. least. Uh, we have more content per an episode than I expected to. Yeah, which is fine, and that's a whole other thing. But the parallel between the story of Reaver and this situation are almost identical, mm-hmm. and it's kind of typical for the world of Albion. It, it yeah. kind of we've got some insight as to, and we talked about this when we talked about um, Scorm and Avo's temples about how these like 
strongholds of, of will or right. magic, however you want to look at it, aren't necessarily what the inhabitants thought they were. It's not the fact that they were these beings that were hovering over the world, you know, that you would speak to and they would do things. It's the fact that the belief of them gave that a shape and people would manipulate it yeah. to their own will. So it's kind of interesting when you think about the fact that this being, whoever the guy was who wiped out the town, really could have used that magic without hurting anybody. Yeah. But because of the belief of the town of how it was and what was available, it coerced him into, I mean, slaughtering, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. So I I would love to know the story there. Yeah. Like, I mean, really, I'm sure there, there's got to be, I mean, if, if Dean wrote it, you know, there's all kinds of headcanon yeah. that goes sure into this. Someone, even if not at the time over the years, has developed a bit of a plot in their head. Yeah, uh, but it's... The, let's get back to the town and the structure of a little bit. You're you're in these tall buildings, and of course there's graves everywhere, and there's these you know ice zombies and balverines, uh, balverines, and they're snow balverines for that matter, yeah. not white balverines, and snow a troll. balverines, and then the ice troll, and there's minions that pop up, and it's uh, along the way it's it's pretty basic in what your goal is here. You're trying to go through the graves and find these glyphs that you can activate the oracle with. But in doing so, the area is just, I mean, at the time for the graphics that they had and the audio that was available, because I mean, obviously things have come a long, a long way. If you play this section with headphones on, it's still a little creepy. Yeah. The way that they the do the audio sound. mix uh, with the, I'm sorry? The, the buzzing sound. Uh, that and like the whispering. Yeah. Like the questions that are asked and uh, the fact that the people don't know they're dead is it's mm. pretty great. Patrick, yeah. you mentioned uh, that they will actually run. Yeah. The they, ghosts will run. Uh, they'll run run away from balverines and different things as if something's going to happen to them. Yeah. And I think that actually, and it's probably just a glitch of the coding, but if you have a, a certain spells that are powerful enough, like I believe the fire spell, you can actually knock them down with yeah. it. Like it's almost like it's, it's transcending the plane of existence. <laughs> but really, it's just that's the mechanics of the game. I, w- I know this is a bit off topic, but I would love to see another area like this in Playgrounds uh, oh, Fable absolutely. just because there's so much more that you could do with it, like having the townspeople like completely live out their lives yeah just put them on a daily track like you would anybody else yeah yeah that would actually be really cool um it's just that i i don't know i don't know how to really expound because it's almost like you have to see it to really get the scale of this Mm -hmm. it's unlike any other part of the game and i'm really trying to avoid saying oh this is one of my favorite places in the game because there's been like 15 of them at this point but, I mean, it's just astounding. It's, At this point, if it's not one of your favorite parts, they're going to be like, John hated that part of the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, you know, the mission itself is fine. I, you know, I, don't, I don't, honestly don't believe that it's anything that's just mind-breaking. No, it's the, mostly digging and fighting. Exactly. But the area itself is just, it makes your imagination run, mm-hmm. I think, farther than so many other, I mean, not just in Fable, but places in other games it's very well done and i was it's a more than happy welcome to be part of yeah of the lost chapters it's, when you go back and maybe you haven't played in a year or two this is one that still 
an area that's very strong with you, I feel. Right. So you fight your way through. You get all the different glyphs. There's a good amount of loot to be had along the way. There's different chests that you can get if you've got the right amount of keys. There's a demon door that could condemn you to not opening those chests if you open it too early uh, because it will take all of your keys. (laughs) Um, but you do have access to some of the coolest armor in the game. You get the Archon's armor, and to me, it's still, it's kind of on base with the, you know, the heavy plate armor, but it's a mix of gold and silver, which in the original game, there was only the dark armor and the gold armor, the light armor. So it's probably my favorite, I think, in the Lost Chapters, just because it gave it a little bit more character. Yeah. And I like that quite a bit. But the area as a whole is definitely something that is just wonderful. It's a very strong point. I'm trying to sum this up without blabbering too much because we're, we're head, heading towards the end here. But So we take our glyphs back to Snowspire where we have to decipher how to get them to activate in the Oracle. And I think we're going to save that for the next time. And Patrick is not allowed to use the music for that area because I just don't want it in our show. But do you have anything else to add before we uh, close the book on this one? Nope, that's it for this episode. Okay. Before we go, we'd like to thank those who helped contribute to the show. Zero XP logo was provided by Jameson Johns. You can find him at behance.net forward slash Jameson Johns. Zero XP theme music was provided by Odd Reference. You can find him at facebook.com forward slash odd.reference. Additional music was created by Rush Shaw. Remember, you can find this show on YouTube by searching for Zero XP Webcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Using these features lets YouTube know that you like our content and help other Fable fans find us. You can also find each show in podcast form by looking on your podcast platform of choice. If we're not on yours, let us know. You can find us on Twitter by searching for Zero XP Webcast. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. And our DMs are open, and we are open to all conversations. And before we go, as always, we'd like to give thanks to those who have inspired us to do this show. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Damien. And until next time, our story has ended. Bye-bye-bye. Do you think with Snowspire being cut off for so long, there's a lot of inbreeding? Bye-bye.